Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, it's so wonderful that we have this opportunity to uh, dive deep into our mind and go for a quantum healing. Really bring all the aspects of our mind together. And it's been interesting because uh, as we led up to this very first initial movie gathering, um, we just stayed as clueless and wide open as could be uh, all the way up until about uh, a half an hour ago. We weren't sure which film was going to come in and uh, we're just w awaiting uh, instructions, awaiting the obvious. But what dropped in for us, uh, yeah, it had some signs and symbols um, this week. Uh, Svava has been receiving and recording some new songs and she had an out-of-pattern song that came to her this week that's uh, with a different kind of name and a different quality to it than any of her other songs that she received from Spirit. And the name of the song was Northern Lights. So we were like, Northern Lights? So. Uh, Right before we came on with all of you, we uh, were listening to Svava's song about Northern Lights and, and these dancing lights that are calling us home. So our movie tonight um, is going to be a, a huge healing movie. It's a huge forgiveness movie. It's one of the most um, spectacular forgiveness movies you ever see. It's a, what I call a quantum movie. Tonight's movie is like a pure quantum movie. I mean, a lot of the movies I call quantum movies, they all have aspects of rearranging time and space, you know, like Source Code, like the movie Next, uh, like Days of Future Past, like so many uh, they involve different segments of time and the attempt to go on a journey to find an escape, to find freedom, to find happiness and joy. And they are just so helpful in terms of forgiveness because as we've believed we were people in this journey of time and space, you know, our issues that we've had, our grievances and our long-standing grievances and our issues have played out most, for most part, they've been projected to our characters. And so our characters have had to go through some very intense, heartbreaking perceptions, I'll call them heartbreaking interpretations, where we've felt so discouraged, so broken, so depressed, and, and yet we've had moments of high ecstasy also with, our, with these characters in time and space. Some of the profound love relationships where we bared our souls and we felt our hearts cracking open and we felt ourselves falling in love. And then the dramas <laughs> of the ego and our interpretations always closed in 
And we had like a, t a taste left in our mouths, like saying, oh, oh, I wish, I wish it could just be all love. I wish there was a way that we could just break through this scheme of linear time and we could just break through into the love and break through into the light. And that's what's drawn us all together. We're all here because we have this deep memory of home that's in us and we have this memory of this love and light that has been pushed out of awareness but we know that it's coming back. It's coming back into awareness. It's like we're drawing it into awareness. So in tonight's movie, I remember the first time I showed this, I became very animated because I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot be, imagine that we could behold such a beautiful quantum movie. In a lot of the quantum movies you see, you see bits and pieces of time segments that are like redos or going back to the past or trying to overcome something, but they're still, they're still quite linear and, and of course uh, most movies have to have a pretty strong linear component, otherwise people can't uh, follow along. They, there's no plot. As soon as you get too close to the quantum field, you lose the plot. <laughs> you, lose, you lose the plot of your, your linear life. You lose the plot of everything. And so the movies have to, have to have some kind of a plot to kind of draw you in, to engage you. And we've got enough going on with, our, with the ego projecting out time and space. That is, is giving us plenty of dramas. So as I look at all your faces sprinkled around the world, we have uh, Hina in, in India, I think it's about five, a little bit after five in the morning, we've got people on spread around in time and space in different continents and we're all joining together. So just us meeting in this Zoom room is kind of foreshadowing our movie today, because our movie is going to transcend time. So we're going to have a father and son in the movie and there's so many movies where there's a grievance, there's a sadness, there's a hurt, there's a sense of abandonment, there's a sense of, um, of hurt and rejection, uh, almost like a nostalgic feel of like, oh, I just wish I could have had a healing with my father. And we're going to have a father-son characters in this movie, Frank and John, and the only thing with the, the issues that are going on with Frank and John is that, you know, Frank, Frank lives in 1969 and John lives in 1999. And Frank is the father and he died when John was only six. So John's got all these feelings. He never really got to know his father. He misses him. He feels his life has not been the, the same. He's, he's been missing his father for three decades because they live in different sequences of time, 1969 and 1999. And there is this strong need for healing that both of them feel because uh, Frank, you know, when little, 
little John is there growing up. It's an intense time back in 1969. And for John, he has a lot of difficulties in his relationship. He's, he's going through a very intense interpersonal relationship with his partner, right on the edge of breaking up. Uh, he's wondering what the purpose of his life, he feels like a failure. There's so many components that you're going to be able to relate to in this movie because of these characters. And, and that's why it is such a great healing movie. Uh, who gets to play the Holy Spirit in this movie? The Northern Lights. Those beautiful, mysterious lights, those spectacular colors that, that are so spectacular on earth that people will be up and watching the Northern Lights just mesmerized. And in this movie, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The Northern Lights are going to play this ancient call back to home. They're like the forgotten song. So I have a song that just came through. It's the forgotten song. We heard the lyrics, calling me home. It's, it's the forgotten song, calling me home. So that's all the Northern Lights are going to do. They're going to play the Holy Spirit part in this movie. And the thing I really like about this movie, when I first saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool because because I'm always getting questions about the script is written, and if the script is written, isn't everything already determined? And that means I don't have any choice really in form at all, and that's mysterious. <laughs> that's got to be one of the most mysterious lines in A Course in Miracles that you read when you get to the workbook. The script is written. And yet people say, well, how does that work? If it's all destined, uh, I don't get it. And yet you won't get it, you can't get it from a linear perspective. It, you have to go quantum, like uh, Mr. Quantum in these uh, movies. You have to go quantum. You have to allow your mind to spring beyond everything that it thinks it thinks and thinks it knows. What I really like about this movie is you're going to see that as the miracle starts to come in stronger and stronger and the communication is established with father and son and as they start to discover this communication link that they didn't believe was possible and then they start to follow it and go with it and they give it more faith and more willingness it starts to unravel the fragmented perception of this world. So much so that different aspects in the movie, as they experience the miracles, the forms shift, which is very quantum. You're not, you usually don't find that. In some movies you'll see little bits and pieces of it, but when these, when these miracles start to come into mind, you're going to actually see these shifting forms. So, what seems to be just a set script to the ego, it actually morphs. We're going to start to see a lot of morphing going on in this movie. The other thing about this movie is it's a, it's a metaphysical movie, it's highly metaphysical, and yet it is 
classified by the world. This is a murder mystery. And you may think, what the heck are the first showing, the first movie we're watching together online all over the world is going to be a murder mystery. Uh, like we're talking murders, serial murders, like deep, dark, you know, nasty stuff. And, uh, and I, you know, we, we thought we might ease in with Mr. Rogers, but then all of a sudden <laughs> Jesus is like, listen, we got to get you people, we got to wake you up. Uh, we're starting off on the first, first time, the first initiating one, we're coming in with a, with a murder mystery. And why, you might say, why? Why, Jesus, are you showing a murder mystery to all of us on the first one? Could you get us in the waiting pool first and let us get our toes wet? Here we've got plenty of weeks to go. But actually, I want to remind you all that this world was made in hatred. This world is based on the belief in separation from God. I know sometimes we, we all get enamored and nostalgic, nostalgic with chocolate and snow cones and Easter bunnies and deer and all kinds of soft, gentle symbols and everything. But, but actually, what we're waking up from is a murder mystery. Not to the Holy Spirit, but, but actually everything that we've become accustomed to in time and space is, is actually murder. Uh, one time I was talking to somebody who was asking me these, can you explain these workbook lessons, David? And the one that really got him, you know, out of all the workbook lessons, the one that really hooked him was, what I see is a form of vengeance. <laughs> they were like, what? What kind of workbook lesson is that? What I see is a form of vengeance. And it's like, yeah, we've become so accustomed to these images now that we've forgotten the light, we've forgotten the unity, we forgot the love, we forgot the harmony, we need the Northern Lights, we need, we need something to come and help us unify our perception because if we think about it, you know, this has been a heartbreaking dream of time and space. Um, right before I'm starting, I, I don't know if you remember those movie critics, Siskel and Ebert, uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, I just happened to glance down and I saw what does uh, Roger Ebert have to say? And he's like, oh, this movie was so good because we've been trying to defeat time for the longest time. <laughs> this is coming from a movie critic, you know. Ooh, we, meaning the human race has been uh, uh, at odds with time. Because why? Because of death, because of sickness, because of disease, because of, of heartbreak. You know, we want a love story that never ends. All of our love songs talk about forever. We want a love that goes on and on and on and on, like our, our last weekend, the Song of Prayer. We don't, don't want it to end. We want a love affair that never ends. We're ready for that love affair. And all of the human race is ready for that. And, and it's like Jesus is saying, here you go. I'm going to start you right off with what seems to be a murder mystery, but, but it's in the mind. This crazy belief that you've had of, 
of the ego, this tiny mad idea that you gave your mind over to, that's where your mystery came from. There's no mystery in heaven. Uh, that's where your heartbreak came from. That's where your, your sadness came from. That's where your grievances came from. It's just a tiny mad idea. And actually, the quantum healing is the tiniest little tweak in your mind. It's like atonement is the most simple answer. The Holy Spirit was placed right in the mind that was sleeping, right next to the error, and then, and then the error disappeared. And so this tiny little tweak in your mind that seems to take thousands and thousands of years to discover can be discovered and that's why we're watching this movie tonight. We're going through millennium. We're going through millennium to go for the quantum healing tonight together. I always like to notice too, when did, when was this movie, when did it come out? It came out in 2000. Oh my gosh, 2000. Everybody's talking about 2020. 2000 is the beginning, beginning of what? A new millennium. And anybody remember before 2000, this spectacular frequency movie, this amazing quantum movie, what was the harbinger? What was the harbinger? What was the foreshadowing? Anybody remember a movie called The Matrix that came out in 1999? Anybody remember Truman Show, 1998? Does anybody remember Dark City. Does anybody remember the 13th floor? If you don't know these movies, you will know them soon. <laughs> You'll know them like the back of your hand. All those movies, Truman Show, Dark City, 13th floor, and The Matrix all came out in 1998-1999. It's almost like Jesus was saying, enough! It's enough for this ego. Now it's time to break free. You gotta shift your mind in, in a new way that takes you beyond time and space because your destiny is not time and space. In fact, it's just a, a memory. And when you have reverse amnesia, you're gonna remember God and you're gonna forget that there even was a world. So, but you need to make the turn. You need to make that little tweak in your mind. So here we go. I was just, just realized that right now. I just was like, 2000? Wow, this is, this is what all those movies were pointing to. They were all saying, get ready, get ready. We're ready to blow the socks off this ego for once and for all. So Jesus tells us that, that if you're open to perform miracles, that Jesus says, I will arrange time and space for you. I don't think there's a better movie that you'll ever find in your, your lifetime of, of time and space getting arranged through the miracle. Because you're literally going to see sequences, you're going to see objects, you're going to see people, you're going to see circumstances, situations and events all get rearranged. This is very rare. How many movies have you watched in your lifetime where, you, where situations got rearranged? Most of you, they're all served up in a platter. Beginning, middle, ending. Even the first time I went to a movie theater and I watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, there was an elderly man who as I was walking down the aisle, he was so angry. 
he was so angry. He said, that is, he said, I, I feel violated because all of his perceptions and interpretations for watching movies were all linear, linear for like 80 years. And then his wife takes him to see Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and he's just cursing a blue streak as I'm leaving the theater and I'm thinking, well, yeah, that's, that's just, you know, when the mind gets accustomed to something, it, it's, it's the, the new way can seem very difficult. That's what the world's going through right now with the coronavirus, you know, it's, it's cursing. It's cursing this virus, but it's so attached to linear time that it, it's, it doesn't see that there's a huge opportunity to break through and go into the quantum field if it's, if it's willing to take it. This is like a rare time in, in history. Uh, and now a lot of people have been writing to me, will you pray with me? Can you help me? Is there some way you can help me? This is it. I'm doing these movies and this is, this is the answer. This, this is the antidote. You're waiting for like a syringe or some kind of a thing. No, no, this is it. This is a syringe for the mind. Uh, it, it's a vaccine for the mind we're going to watch today. And if you really go on this journey with me, you'll know it. You'll know that the, the, the vaccine has been found. And I bet you didn't think it was going to come through the northern lights, but you see that's, that's how surreal and beautiful it is. It's not very often. The Holy Spirit's invisible, but I have to say, if any character could play the Holy Spirit, the northern lights do a great job. They're, they're very colorful, they're, they're vast, and everyone just watches with their mouth open, because they've never seen anything like it. That's, that's a good uh, characterization. So the sleeping sonship is now going to take a journey to a much higher frequency. And I mean like a, a, a frequency of communication and connection beyond anything that you've experienced before. The key is communication. Jesus tells us in the text, he says, if, if you would reach the holy instant, then you must have no thoughts that you would keep hidden. That's the first thing he tells us. And then he tells us that you must want to have perfect communication with everyone and everything. That's the only requirement to experience the holy instant, the gateway to eternity, is that you have perfect communication with everyone and everything. And then he goes on to say, if you don't want to have perfect communication with everyone and everything, then you are not ready to receive the holy instant from the Holy Spirit. He comes right out and says it. Like it's offered, but you're not ready to receive it unless you want perfect communication. This movie is going, we're going to see first a communication channel opened up by the Northern Lights that transcends 30 years. That's not a common thing, unless of course you're, you're Sherry Mosley there and you're communicating with all these beings all over, all time and space all the time. You're, you're with us today, so you do that. But for most people, transcending 30 years is like, that's a big task, unless you go to a, a seance or something like that and you talk to the, the deceased. But 
that's going to be a big deal. The second thing is, it takes a lot of faith. As soon as the communication channel is open, wow, it's staggering. They're both shocked. They're both pretty much in a state of disbelief as soon as the, ch the channel is open through, anybody remember those old ham radios? Those old radios with the frequency, it's like, that's what the, the Northern Lights are going to use, uh, one of those old kind of ham radios. And once it's open, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of disbelief, there's a lot of emotion, and yet they have to have tremendous willingness to stay with it. Because their lives as they know them in 1969 and 1999 are going to be morphing and morphing as they listen, as they follow the instructions, as they communicate, that's the key. And that's the key for all of us. We have to stay in communication with the Holy Spirit. We have to. We have to keep the faith. Even when we're tempted to throw in the towel, we feel disparaged, dark. We feel like giving up. These characters will feel like giving up many times. And yet, they have to keep coming back. And just when they think they've solved it, no. And just when human beings think they've solved something, it's always the same. No, we have not solved it. We have to go back. Jesus says in the Course, you have not gone back far enough. You have not gone back in your mind far enough to the light, to the atonement. You're coming, you're coming, but you have not gone back far enough. So these characters are quite amazing because every decision they make as they communicate starts to morph their whole perceptions. And then, what would you have in a spectacular movie like this, but the most spectacular happy dream scene? You're going to see. It's going to be um, in slow motion. It's like, it's just, it's so good, it's so happy. It's so happy that it's like they slow it down in, in the cinematography so you can like really soak it in like, yes, this, this is the victory over linear time. This is the victory that your mind has been praying for, to come to a unified perception where you don't, you don't see the conflict, the grievances are gone. It's, it's a happy, happy, happy scene. And some of us will be able to relate to it, because I know in the Parable of David, I played softball. And the happy dream scene is, is a softball game. <laughs> and I played softball, so it was very, ooh, from my, from my mind, very nostalgic. A glorious, glorious, happy softball game, where everyone's together and everyone's completely unified. I think I just cried tears of happiness when we finally made it to the happy dream scene. Because I, I love watching movies, and I see a lot of movies that have happy dream scenes in them, which it's like cascading miracles. So, and just for, we have a lot of people here in Mexico that have not seen, raise your hand if you've not seen, oh, okay, we have, who have not seen Frequency. And how many, raise your hand if you have not seen the movie Frequency. Okay, oh, ooh, major treat. 
You're in for a major treat. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So, hold on to your hat, because Kansas is going bye-bye. This, this is what you've been praying for, uh, when you've been praying for the antidote or the vaccine. Now, this is your mind's answer to your prayer for, uh, for happiness. So let's, let's take off and enjoy the ride. And also for some of you that don't remember 1999 very well, of course the Matrix, I've just jarred you back into 1999, the Matrix came out in 1999. And I don't know, some of you may not remember 1969. Anybody was a, is anybody a baseball fan? Anybody watch Major League Baseball? There's Eric. 1969, they had a team that made it to the World Series that nobody thought should be there. They said, how did they even make it? And so they put a word in front of the baseball team's name because it was so surprising that they made it to the World Series to play in 1969, and so they end up winning the World Series, talk about Cinderella stories, and their name forever since then has been called the Miracle Mets. That's the only time I know in history of Major League Baseball where the word miracle is used in front of the team's name. The New York Mets are the Miracle Mets. So when I'm watching this movie, oh, it was all kinds of nostalgia, because I was a baseball fan. Little David was only 11 years old. Little John in the movie is only six. At little David was, was 11, and, and I was watching this team go on to win the World Series. So all of that brought a lot of nostalgia for me when I first watched this movie, because I was watching all the nuances. Listen to the music that's playing back in 1969. You can almost feel what it's like to be summertime in the Bronx. I see Susan Jameson, she's already getting excited. She's, get your tie-dye out. You can put on your tie-dye for this movie, you know. That's right, you were, you've been sharing with your miracles in New York City. Here we go. This is, this is the Northern Lights New York City, Miracle Mets, and transcending all of time and space, all in one movie. You know, it's, it's huge. It's, it's huge. Okay, let's play. <laughs> let's, let's finally play the movie. Everyone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Already, an early pause. You know, there's something about firefighters. You know, there's something about going down and rescuing people and just about getting yourself torched and missing being torched by like one foot and then driving your motorcycle home and just letting the love pour out there with your wife. You know, not even a word about, I almost died. Not even a word about uh, your 
day job saving people going into burning buildings who are down to uh, under sewer holes and everything and escaping just by the skin of your teeth because it takes a certain mentality to go for waking up and a fireman's mentality is you're there to save lives you know you'll do whatever it's your job to save lives now Jesus can use that if you have that big of heart where you really want to save lives, Jesus is like, good, 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 good start, good start, because salvation's in the mind and you're going to have to take all that courage and all that strength and, and all that willingness that a fireman has to have every day and in the face of death, he shrugs it off. You know, he gets out here, he just misses by a foot of being toast and he makes a joke with another young fireman who's just having their, their first day on the force. He makes a joke five, ten seconds after he almost is toast. There's a certain mentality that you got to have when you go for spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening is not for the faint-hearted. You know, if you're, if you feel like you're a snail and you just want to curl up in your shell and hope it's not a bad day, that the spiritual awakening is probably not your cup of tea. But I love it. I like the music in this. I like the nostalgia feeling. He goes full on to save lives and then he comes home on his motorcycle with his Mets cap on and he loves his wife and he puts on the king Elvis Presley as if it was just another day at the office. You've got to have that kind of mentality with your mind when you go for spiritual awakening. Just like that fireman. You can do it. You can do it. Just get as fired up as that fireman and then so you have a few near brushes with some extreme things, you know. You know, put on your Mets cap Go home and, and hug your wife and dance with her and put on the king, you know. And when she says, oh, I think I ruined the sauce again, he's like, you mean after your full day shift and taking care of the kids and trying to make a little Bolognese, you know, you're having some problems and she snaps right out of it, you see. That's true empathy. He wasn't going to join her in a grievance or a complaint. He was, he's like, I'm a fireman, I'm out there risking my life every day. So what? The sauce, the sauce boiled over. Come here, let's put on the king and let's have some embrace and let's dance. You know, that's the kind of attitude I'm talking about. That's what I like about the beginning of this movie. You've got to relate to the characters because the characters are going to get drawn into something that's so deep. When you go into the mind, that's deep. You know, you think the world's intense, you should see it. You should see the unconscious mind. The mystics and the saints have almost been turned back uh, by the unconscious mind and they've wrote about it too, Dark Night of the Soul and all that stuff. But that's the first thing is the Holy Spirit, Jesus will take what you've got. And there we have John is showing up with a lot of his courage. You can't go down that manhole, it's going to blow. John, it's going to blow. He's down the manhole. Get out! It's gonna blow! Get out! Get out! 
He's too busy saving somebody <laughs> to get out. You see that? He's into saving. He's got his full, he's putting his heart on the line down there. He's not, get out, get out. No, no, I gotta, let's try to bust the door down. And then, and then just when he escapes, just barely, you know, he cracks a joke. He goes home to the wife the, the next day. He hugs, lifts up his little boy, John, and he loves his wife. He puts on the king. I just said, stop the movie right there because you've got to go into this movie with the right attitude. You've got to have that same attitude that John has in your mind. You've got to, have, you've got to be fired up about this. You've got to have courage. You've got to really be willing to face whatever the ego is going to throw at you. Because it's going to throw a lot. <laughs> I'll tell you. I can tell you from my parable of David, it's going to throw everything and the kitchen sink at you to try to stop you from waking up. But right away we get to see the character of John. He's a fireman. <laughs> there may be murderers, there may be tons of things that come at him and they've already tried to scorch him once, but he made a joke and, and hugs his wife. He is unscathed because he is fired up as a fireman. He has a huge heart. And you need a huge heart to go on the spiritual journey. You're not, you can't go at this half-hearted. Half you can't kind of go in this with like, oh, maybe I might want to wake up this lifetime. I don't know. I, could. I read Gary Renard's book. I could, do, I could do it next lifetime. You know, If you're coming at it with thinking you're going to wake up in the next lifetime, You've got the wrong movie and you've got the wrong man here talking to you. This is like, this is your wake-up call. We're going for it. This is a wake-up, wake-up, wake-up. You know, we're not messing around here. And that's why Jesus gives us frequency as our first movie. We could have had Mr. Rogers and he, he gave us frequency instead. So you know he's, he's playing hardball. He's throwing the fastball in there. He's throwing the fastball. To see if you can stay in there. You're not going to back off in the plate and get too afraid of the fastball. He's throwing his 100 mile fastball right there in the first scenes. He said, you know, if you're already in the bathroom throwing up, then no, this is not for you. But if you're hanging in there like John, then you know you're ready for an adventure. Okay. You know, what's so great is they. They bring out, this little boy finds this ham radio, they bring it out, they stick it on the desk, and it goes out, and then they forget about it, and then all of a sudden he hears this transmission coming, and John says, my whole life is an emergency. His, his partner's just left him, he's down and out, he's drinking, he's disillusioned, he still misses his dad and all the years that he didn't have with his dad. And then they make this contact over 30 years and they're both in Queens. In fact, they're in the same house. In fact, it's the same desk. It's the same position. The, the radio got put to the same position. Talk about the idea that the past just repeats. That is pretty significant. And on, on the television they're talking about the Borealis, the, the Northern Lights, and they're saying all about, they believe there's other dimensions. You know, they, they do everything in that little talk 
on television except talk about simultaneous time, but they're talking about multiple dimensions of time as if they exist. And we know now from the Course that it's, it's really simultaneous, that it's all happening at the same time. So, from A Course in Miracles perspective, this isn't, this is destiny, this is just another use, Holy Spirit use of the miracle. But from the linear perspective, this is pretty strange to have a father talking to a son from the same desk in the same house, 30 years apart. But that's how powerful the miracle is. You know, if, if you really knew that everyone that you've ever known in your life is always available to you through communication. Even when people go into comas, you know, a lot of times they, people will say stuff in a room with somebody in a coma because they think that their body's there, they think they're unconscious, they're, they're gone, they're out and they can talk about whatever they need to talk about, only to find out when they come out of the coma that they heard everything. Even though their brain wasn't functioning, their ears weren't functioning. It's a great reflection of mind, of the power of mind. So this already, we're just in the beginning of this movie, we're already getting, we're being asked to expand our perception of communication in a big way, expand our perception of time, from linear to simultaneous, because both of them are going through their emotions and both of them are going to be used by the Holy Spirit for healing. But the only way you heal is you have to get back in touch with the mind. And what a great device for it. A ham radio in the same house, at the, in the same desk. <laughs> That's pretty synchronistic, it's very synchronistic. Okay, here we go. That's so beautiful when the, he spills and the light and the fire starts and it, it bleeds through 30,000, 30 years later it bleeds through onto the desk. Now that's the, that's the first like quantum effect we've seen in this movie, but that's so powerful because it just shows you how everything is connected because everything is mind. This idea that something 30 years ago could, could have an influence on something. You know, if you, start, if you study Einstein and what he discovered and what the quantum physicists have studied, have, have discovered in their experiments is that that's what they call entanglement. That's what the connectedness is. That's what the quantum field is, is that Everything that we're perceiving is all happening simultaneous and it's all in our mind. So it's not so strange that, that a table can, a desk can burn and, and then 30 years later the, the, the black spot is there and it's hot. Because everything is completely connected. Now we've just seen in this movie just little bits and pieces of the murders, you know. So, Frank is a firefighter in 1969 with Little John, he calls Little Chief. And then Chief, Little Chief grows up to be John, 30 years later. He's a police detective. Father is a, a firefighter, he grows up to be a police detective. He's working with a guy, Satch. Remember, Satch is in both scenes. Satch is there buying tickets for the kids to the World Series and Satch is the like the lieutenant, the guy in charge of the investigations in the police department. 
So Satch is still in the police department 30 years later. There's been murder mystery going on 1969 in New York City. That murder mystery has not been solved. Is this surprising? This is how the world works. All the mysteries of the world are just basically not accepting who you are. <laughs> That's what's keeping the murder mysteries and the mysteries and the unsolved mysteries. Did anybody watch those TV shows, Unsolved Mysteries? What do you think Unsolved Mysteries are except your unwillingness to accept yourself as the Christ? That's the only unsolved mystery and Jesus tells us in the Course, it's solved. The Holy Spirit solved the puzzle. When the puzzle, when this belief in separation arose, the Holy Spirit was given as the answer, done deal, world over, world done, and now you keep reliving the same world that's over and playing it out as if it's not over. So it's really just the mind saying, no, I refuse to accept the atonement. No, I'm guilty. No, I'm a person. I'm sorry. No, I'm in time and space. I'm a police officer now and my, my girlfriend just left and, and, and I've got this ham radio and I just saw this dark spot and I don't know what's happening, but suddenly John realizes he's made contact somehow with his father 30 years ago and you can see how the father, how uh, Frank reacted. <laughs> you stay away from my kids! <laughs> That's the difficult. That's how you react and back in the New York City in 1969 if somebody starts claiming that <laughs> that they're your son grown up <laughs> 30 years in the future. This is back before the days of Back to the Future movies and all the things that we've experienced in our life. It's like, you stay away from my kids. I'll hurt you, you come here. You know, you know this is, that, that shows the fear of communication. It's just a sweet communication. The Northern Lights are, are using a ham radio to, to bring together father and son across the time from different dimensions of time. And basically the, it's all happening simultaneous so this shouldn't be that difficult because all you have to do is, you know, if, if, if you heal, if you forgive, you'll find out you have psychic powers, you find out you can, you can you can talk more than to the dead. You can talk, you can talk to future generations, you can talk to past generations. You are, your mind is connected with everything, which that's why Einstein, being a scientist, called it spooky action from a distance. Even Einstein was spooked by the idea that everything is connected. That's the scariest idea to a scientist, that everything is absolutely connected. Because that would have to mean God. <laughs> Scientists are not, not so much believers in God and, and if everything is absolutely connected, that's a pretty good description of God, <laughs> of oneness, you know, of totally unity. So this is good. Now I want to just bring in the murder mystery because we're going to get deep into this murder mystery here pretty soon. Is Back in 1969, there's, there are a series of murders going on, which we heard at the very beginning, some newscast about it. And then we also see that there's still an investigation going on 30 years that still involves Satch, uh, the black man who's, who's in the police force, and now involves John, uh, who's the son. 
And I just want to bring that in again because we may call this a murder mystery, but I'm, every single mystery in science, every single mystery, cultural mystery, mysteries about, um, like for example, the, the COVID-19, is it? I can't even get the numbers right. Anybody? It's 19. Okay, I got it. It's the first time I've said it, so. I just said Corona before, so I wouldn't have to get into trying to remember numbers. Uh, but, um, okay, that's a mystery. You know, people are saying, did it, did it, did it mutate? When it first came, did it mutate? And there's all these mysteries about it. Where did it come from? Did it start in the lab? Did it start, you know, was it from animals, rats, and snakes, and da 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 Listen, all the mysteries of the world, whether they're medical mysteries, they're scientific mysteries, or they're murder mysteries, are the same mystery of you not knowing who you are. That's what generates the mysteries. They're just illusions, hallucinations of mysteries that, that don't have any reality or any existence, but they're coming from the ego. And instead of handing the ego back to the Holy Spirit and saying, oops, oops, <laughs> and, and doing the forgiveness thing, the mind has chosen to play out this huge holographic time-space thing with many, many mysteries, and we're just tapping into one mystery now between 1969 and 1999. This murder mystery. Somebody's out there killing women, killing nurses, killing women, and, and the, the case has gone unsolved. And I like that they are using that in this movie because it just shows you it's all mind. Every single thing that's happening, even that little burnt spot appearing, it shows you nothing is happening by accident. It's all connected. So the next time you get upset about a circumstance in the world, or a person, or you think they're thinking, they're thinking bad thoughts. Oh, I know what they're thinking. I know what they're thinking. No, no. There's one mind. Here. And if, if you've got a grievance against any person, past, future, doesn't matter. If you have any kind of a grievance, it's just a thought in your mind and you're fooling yourself to think that it's something outside of your mind. Because there is nothing outside of the mind. And this movie is going to show it. It's going to show it down to the smallest details. How as long as there's fear in the mind, you draw forth fearful witnesses. And that's what time seems to be, just keep drawing forth more fear, and more fear, and more fear, and more fear. It's in the mind. It's the ego. And, and if you are willing to give that ego back to the Holy Spirit, it's game over. Because why? Because the game's been over for a long time. Jesus tells us this world was over long ago, and you just keep reliving, like Groundhog Day, the same mistake. Uh, and not believing that it's, a, it's just a thought in your mind. You keep thinking it's people, places, things, and circumstances. So this is an amazing, amazing quantum movie. The Miracle Mets, the amazing Mets are part of it, but it's really just how amazing your mind is that it, it could make up such a world in such fine detail. It's like the Buddhist monks with their little sand mandalas, you know, all the different colors. The, the, the detail that goes in to those mandalas is the same detail that your mind has done with this world. 
accept that you as a person are never a victim of anything in the world because the ego made the person up and it made the world of time and space up. So it's made up this whole scheme to reinforce separation, to make it seem as if there's mistreatment and all kinds of things going on, when really it's just one idea in the mind. So this is what Jesus and the Holy Spirit are telling us now. Cough it up! Cough it up! Spit it up! <laughs> Get it up and out of your mind, you know. If you think there's a disease, yeah, that tiny mad idea called ego is the, and, and the antidote has already come. And, and we'll see that. They're going to realize that too in this movie because they're going to keep communicating. They've already just begun. It's like that Carpenter song, we've only just begun. They've only just begun to live, to communicate. And it's a bit shaky <laughs> at the beginning. The, the machine, the ham radio is going on and off. They're pushing their little buttons. It doesn't seem to do anything. You're supposed to only be able to talk when the button's down and they're like, you know, it, it, the spirits got a hold of the ham radio now and the, the Borealis lights and the communication channel is established. And the best thing is, while you're watching this movie, that what John and Frank are going through, you can go through too. Anybody that you have a grievance with, Anybody you think, I don't, I'm glad I don't have to see them ever again. I'm glad I don't have to, to talk to them. I'm glad I don't have to communicate with them. That, that's like a violation of the one requirement for the Holy Instant. Would you be willing to have perfect communication with everyone and everything? So the one that comes to mind, Jesus does this in his workbook, the one that you think of where you're thinking, that son of a gun, oh, that son of a gun. I'm glad. I mean, good riddance. I hope I never see that person again, and I hope I never have to look into their eyes and talk to them again. Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's your John and Frank. The, the one that you feel you want to avoid, or that you still have a grievance with, is the John and Frank issue. And they're going to have to really amp up their willingness now, because they're, they're in different aspects, different dimensions of time, but the Holy Spirit doesn't care. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a full-on instruction in forgiveness, spanning what seems to be 30 years, which really is, is just a construct. Okay, here we go. There's a line in the workbook of A Course in Miracles where Jesus says, everything I think, say, and do teaches all the universe. Even now, people are theorizing about parallel universes and multiple universes, multiple dimensions of time, which we heard already in this movie on the, the interview. Every single aspect of time and space in the whole cosmos is all in the mind. And that means that in what seems to be in your lifetime, in linear time, when you make a decision to do something, there's also other realms in which the character does the opposite. In this case, he 
made a choice in 1969 and it seemed to die and that reconfigured the whole cosmos so that it would play out a scenario where his wife grew up without her husband and his little chief grew up without Frank. And, and he said, the little chief told him over the, over the ham radio, it wasn't your fault, it wasn't your fault, you should have followed your instincts and gone the other way. So he planted that seed, it's just that seed in the mind, go the other way. So then when Al Weiss, hit, Ed Weiss hits the, hits the RBI single, the Mets win the game, he's, he's a bit afraid to even be there watching the TV. He's off in the back because he's like freaked out by the idea that his son is telling him from 30 years in the future how the second game of the Mets is going to end. And he's back, and as soon as the game, as soon as that RBI single comes, then the sound comes and he's got to go off to the Buxton fire. He's already got the seed planted that, you know, you died. You died in that fire. But Jesus tells us in the Course that everything is a decision, even death, even what seems the death, or the death of the body, is a decision that the mind makes. Now this is Talk about blow your, knock your socks off. This is, this is way, way, way beyond a mind-bender because it's hard to believe that your mind, or the mind, is that powerful that every single nuance, down to a butterfly wings or a bee wings, every single nuance, like the butterfly effect, is all connected. Everything in time and space is completely connected, but it's all based on these ego decisions. And there is one decision that takes you out of time and space, because you never were in it. But it, it will take your awareness out of the belief that it's in time and space, and that's the atonement. And that's why it, you have to keep the faith, when you're working with Jesus, to keep going inward. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep making decisions with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit unwind you from this belief in time and space, because did anybody remember the Matrix movie in 1999? You know, I remember I was glued to the screen watching the whole thing, and then finally, remember the scene when Neo goes to meet the architect, and he goes in to see the architect, and there's this bank of all these TV screens. And if you remember, Neo is upset. He's He's cursing, he's cussing, he's angry. He's upset in all of the scenarios. And the architect tells him the problem is choice. <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying in the Course. You seem to make a decision to believe you're an ego, and then this giant fragmented mirror of a cosmos of false choices was made to cover over this seeming original choice for hell or for separation. And it's like a giant cracked mirror in which the pieces seem to be moving, but in the matrix, you know, that's the anomaly. Remember he talks to the architect about the anomaly? That's the anomaly. The anomaly is believing you're not who you are. And that sets up all these generated scenarios in time and space where you act out that you're not who you are. That's the anomaly. So that's what's happening here. 
there's all those screens that Neo sees and the architect says the problem is choice and what happens is now that the mind forgets who it is, then it's caught up in time and space making all these illusory hallucination choices, including the one that Frank just went through, which is follow your instincts. It wasn't your fault, go the other way. Because why? Because John still wants his father to live. And even when you look at Frank, you know, here's Frank, he sees the symbol of, of Ed Weiss, you know, getting that, driving in the run, the Mets winning the game, just as he gets called out to the Bucks and Fire. So now, in his earthly life, he's got this little symbol that's saying, listen, the script is written, and, and there's got to be lots more going on here than you were aware of, because how would a son from the future, 30 years, telling you you know, anybody who knows baseball remembers all the details of the baseball game, <laughs> telling you the exact details. So he's kind of getting a glimpse like, uh-oh, there's something much bigger going on here. And then his son has told him that he's going to die in the fire. You've got to go the other way. So you, you saw the look on his face. Even the other fireman in the truck was saying, are you all right, Frank? Because he was, he was having his quantum moment. He started, the wheel started to turn in there. He's like, he's not as usual self, he's like, what's going on? And then when he gets there, he, does he stop being a firefighter? No. Do you stop being a human being? Instantly, it's possible. But, <laughs> most likely, you still go on watering the plants and doing the admin and everything like this. You're, something's in, planted inside there where you're like, oh, I think I'm way beyond this Edmund character, or this plant waterer, or this uh, computer tech wizard and graphic wizard, and and base camp, and all, you know, I'm, I know I'm beyond all this. But you, at first, you know, you're so accustomed to the character that you think you are that you are just beginning to ponder the idea that the mind can be that powerful, and that you could have made it all up, made all of it up, made every character up made every circumstance, every situation, every dimension of time, every dimension in the history of the universe. Your mind is that powerful that there's no small detail that is left uncovered because you'll see as this movie goes on, even with the murder mystery, we haven't even gotten into that yet, but when we get to the murder mystery you're going to see every tiny detail is morphing based on the thoughts in the mind. And that when you finally accept salvation, then it's, the morph stops and it, it all stabilizes into a happy dream. The other thing I think that's important is you can start to see that like Frank is a fireman and firemen are trying to save lives. So even though he knows that what's going to happen in game two, and it happens, even though he's on his way to the Buxton fire and he gets there, and even though he's been told by his son in the future he's going to die in that fire unless he makes another choice, he still hears this woman distraught, you know, she's still up there, she's unconscious, you know, and is he going in that building? Oh, he's going in there, because why? He wants to save lives. That's what firemen do. Good ones. 
You know, if you're, if you're not a good farmer, and you, do, you run and hide. When the Twin Towers are coming down, you, you don't even show up. <laughs> you, you run the other way. But I mean, the, the, the ones who are really trying to save lives, they got a big heart. But Jesus is saying, good, 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 you want to save lives. Now, he's got to teach us that the only life we have to save is our own, and it's in our mind. He says in the Course that salvation is only accomplished through peace, and it's only for the mind. He says that in the Course, only the mind can be salvaged. He says nothing about saving bodies, you see? So all of the, the characters that are out there, doctors, nurses, firemen, police officers, you know, social workers, trying to save lives. They're physically and psychologically, they just have misdirected miracle impulses. The, Jesus is like, good, you want to save. That's good. <laughs> Your mind actually needs salvation, so you, you need to want to save, because there's something that needs saved, and it's your mind that believes in the ego. It's in desperate need of being saved. But all these characters, like this fireman, Frank, he's just reflecting this deep desire for salvation. That's why he got into the profession of firefighting. You know, why do people go into burning buildings unless, why? They're, they're to save lives, you know, they're trying to do something heroic. Remember Joe versus the volcano? Save lives, you know. That's why Joe would jump into a volcano, because he was a fireman. <laughs> he was, he still had that fireman mentality. Little did Spielberg and Tom Hanks know that that whole movie was about salvation of the mind. It was about accepting atonement. I'm just kind of filling in, in case you meet Tom, Maybe he'll be in our next movie, maybe the big guy. But you have to remember that this salvation tendency is a good thing. It's just, it's misdirected. It's aimed in the wrong direction. It's aimed at bodies instead of the mind. We're, now with The Course in Miracles, we're actually, we've got a big clue that it's about the mind. Everything's about the mind. And you're going to see that in this movie, because every little spectacular nuance is always going to come back to their thoughts. It's never about what's happening in form, it's always about the thoughts underneath the form, which are in the mind. And you, if you remember only one thing from this movie, that's the only thing you need to remember. That any time you feel upset, it's just in your mind. It's not, it's not because of anything that's happening in the world. That's just the ego's distraction, distracting device. Okay, here we go. We just watched a whole lifetime get reconfigured and now dead Frank is not dead uh, because he followed the hunch that his his son, 30 years in the future, gave him. <laughs> okay. Chief, are you there? I'm right here, Daddy. So why don't we pause it again real quick, because that's a big scene. I just want to use this scene to show you that when, when you have a miracle, when your mind shifts, all of the characters in the dream just reflect your state of mind. So there's been, there's clearly been a miracle. Time and space have been arranged, rearranged, and yet he's talking to Satch and his buddy, and he's saying, my father didn't die 30 years ago. No, he died of cancer 10 years ago. You see how they're all just reflecting his mind. 
And yet, the, he has had such a shift now with that miracle, with that joining that he had with his dad and that miracle of reconfiguration. Now everybody just talks and acts as if the, the time sequence that they're in is real. Because that's the way, way it is. As long as you believe you're in time, you'll just believe this. I even hear people talking about it and writing about it. You create your own reality. They're talking about form when they say, you create, you know, in the new age you create your own reality. But they're still describing what happened, what people said, what people did, what's going on as a reality. Like it's, it's actually real. It's not just a, a dimension of time that is as unreal as all the other dimensions of time. It's seen to be as, oh I manifested it, I brought it into actual, you know, flesh. I, I actually did it. You know, I manifested the lottery. You won the lottery? Yes! I, I, I got the ticket, I had the right numbers, I did it. You know, as if like something real was done and all of it's just dimensions of hallucinations. None of them are real. In fact, Jesus is telling us in the Course, none of them are even happening. You're seeing a world that's not there. It's an entire hallucination. All the dimensions are as unreal as each other. And yet, he says in the Course, what you believe you make real for you. And for the sleeping dreamer, it, it turns into that sleeping dreamer's reality. Even though it's not reality, it's not spirit, it's the perception that now seems real to the mind that's dreaming it. And seems real. So as soon as this whole miracle happened, he's questioning his Satch and his buddy, and they're saying, no, your, your dad died of cancer ten years ago, cigarettes. Alright, they still got their cause and effect mixed up, but they, they think it's the cigarettes that killed him. Before it was the fire, he believed the fire killed him thirty years ago, now they believe ten years ago. He lived twenty more years, but the cigarettes killed him. You see, that's just, those are thoughts. But they, it projects out a world where all the characters act out those thoughts. So even when you study the Course, you know, you can't go out to tell people, you know, it's a hallucination. Uh, even in the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus says to Thomas, in the Gospel of Thomas, which was an old discovered text, uh, basically he says, I'm going to tell you, Jesus says to Thomas, I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell anyone what I'm going to tell you or it will bring fire down on our heads. And basically, that's two thousand years ago, Jesus is basically telling Thomas that it's a dream. That the world, you know, with the Romans and Galilee and, and the whole thing, he was, he was letting Thomas in on a very deep metaphysical idea, but he said, don't tell anybody or it will bring fire down on our heads. Listen, two thousand years ago we still have fire on our head. I put out a, a video, and you should see some of the comments. They get deleted, but that we are still getting fire on our head. But for this idea, but it's, this is two thousand years later. But, but the whole point is, it's all for the mind to recognize. It's not, the characters will never, you're never going to get a hundred people lined up and go, Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. It's a total hallucination. It's a total figment of imagination. The characters are, are just reflecting beliefs and until you believe it 
entirely, they're not going to reflect back to you that, that belief. You know, maybe at that point, that's when you see all the angels, and they all give you a big hug. No social distancing from the angels. They'll give you, wrap those wings all around you, and hey, you made it, thank you for hanging in there, and everything. But, but I just am saying, this is an important sequence we're watching right here, because every time he has a reconfiguring of time and space, the characters still reflect what he still believes. And he still believes in cancer and cigarettes, obviously, for that last reflection from Satch and his buddy, you know. So keep that in mind as we go forward. And you're going to need that for the murder mystery, because it's going to get wild with the murder history and who did it and, you know, we're just, we're still in the baby, we're still in the baby pool, dangling our toes here in the shallow end, but we're going into the deep end. So that's why I'm pausing this. So you'll be prepared for, for the big stuff. Okay. No. Okay, let's pause it. Here we go into quantum. Now, if you, if you really, this session blows your mind, you may have to watch a few more movies to, to get to the bottom of this, but hopefully we'll do it in one movie here. But, I have done commentary on the movie called The Butterfly Effect. And basically, we have movies in the Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment called like Looper and Repeaters and Butterfly Effect. When you seem to change one aspect of the dream, everything reconfigures. Because why? Because it's only one dream. So it's almost like a kaleidoscope. You know, when you look in those kaleidoscopes and you see all those colors, if you turn it, it just gives you all these patterns and colors. The mind is so powerful that if you change any aspect of the dream, it just, it's really just happening in your mind, as ISO comes to greet me here, it's all, it's all happening in your mind, but, but it seems to spin out the effects of time and space in a different configuration. And you can see how, how John is very disoriented, because he's calling his mother and he's getting this deli. And he goes to work and basically he said, I know that case, that, that killer killed three women and his boss is saying, no, that, you know that case. It's ten and it's still going on, it's the Nightingale case. Thirty years later there's this killer still killing women, and it's not three, it's ten. And, and he's just in the bathroom thinking, I'm going nuts. But, but this is just because everything reconfigures. So when we talk about parable, parallel lifetimes and this and that, it's not like they really have a meeting point except they don't meet in time and space. You can't, you can't justify them and, and, and look at them side by side and somehow draw any kind of meaning because because they're all projections of the mind. So they just are projections. The world's just a motion picture of what you believe. And as your, your beliefs shift and change, it will seem like the screen is shifting and changing. And it will seem like your choices are having real effects. Like, like he's happy, like he joined with his dad over the 30 years, they communicated, and through his tip, and through his suggestion, his dad didn't die. He's happy, 
And both of them were happy. Like, both of them were so happy that he didn't die in the fire. And this is how we get all happy when we manifest something that we believe we think we want. We get happy when something's manifest that we believe we prefer or want, and we're upset or sad when something seems to happen that we don't want. Uh, everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. That's what Jesus tells us in the Course. We're always getting exactly what we believe in. You spot it, you got it. You believe it, you perceive it. You know, every time something happens, you go, no, 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 I didn't want that to happen. Yes, you did. You wouldn't even perceive it unless you wanted it to happen. Everything happens because you desire it. And what does not occur is what you do not want to happen. That's how the law of mind works. Everything happens because you desire it. And, and it doesn't happen if you don't want it. So, there's no room for victimization there, it's all back to mind. That's why it's so important to get to know your consciousness and get to know your mind, because everything down to the minute detail that you perceive. You watch in the news, you see Trump wearing his goggles or doing something and you go, that damn fool. Yeah, who put the damn fool there? Who put the there? You say, I didn't elect him. Oh, yes you did with your mind. You elected, you elected everything. You don't ever give me this political stuff, you know. I remember years ago when, uh, Susan, you were talking about 9-11, you were in New York City uh, when it happened and, and you know, you told us that miracle on, on an online retreat. I remember several years ago, uh, I was talking to Jason and Jason said, well, I don't know if I can talk to, to you about this, David. And I said, talk about what? And he said, it's, it's, it has to do with 9-11. And I said, oh, okay. And he says, I think, I think it was an inside job. I, I think the American government was behind it, but I know because you're an American, you're not going to want to hear that or, or want to believe me. So I don't feel that I can tell you that uh, it was an inside job. Actually, Art and Persis said the same thing in the Disappearance of the Universe. Although I think they had to block it from being in there and all this controversy went on. But anyway, and I said, I said, so you're afraid to tell me that you think 9-11 was an inside job? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid because I don't think you'll believe it because you're an American. You'll say, no, that's ridiculous. And I said, well, I said, it's, it's the same thing, whether it's an inside job or, or it was the Saudis or, or whatever, it's the same thing. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, there's really no inside jobs and outside jobs because that's just pointing the finger at who did what to whom in form and the, and the mind projected the whole thing. So, there, there is no such thing as an inside job or an outside job. In fact, I, my latest e uh, video that uh, Eric you put out, there's no inner and outer. There's no even inner mind and outer mind, <laughs> much less an inside job or an out outside job. A conspiracy of who did it, the American government did it, the Saudis did it, you know, Osama bin Laden did it or whoever, you know. It's all the same. I said it's the same thing 
whether it was the American government or the Saudis, I said, don't you see that's the same? He said, what do you mean? I said, it's the same. They're both, they're both hallucinations. They're both effects. It's just they're both projections of the ego. It's, it doesn't make any difference. And now you're looking at me as if I'm an American, uh, and then you think that's complicating the same thing. That doesn't have anything to do with it. It's all mind. There's no such thing as conspiracies. Because, yeah, turn into Ken's first show. If you believe there's conspiracies, you should go back and watch, what's it called? Um, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> Get real. Get real. Uh, this show. We can't think of the. We can't even think of the name. Right. Marina's like, get real, and he's like, what's the name? Get real, get real, get real. It's an inside joke, but anyway, that, that's what I'm saying with this movie. You know, if if you are watching this, and this is mind blowing, but if you go and you watch like the butterfly effect from the movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment, we've got was there at least a couple. Two, two butterfly effects on Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment. It's the same thing where one of them is Ashton Kuchner and he's trying to play it out, but, but his, he does this and this and then he's, his girlfriend dies or his girlfriend goes through extreme situations and he thinks he loves her, so he keeps trying to change things. And this is why Jesus says in the Course, seek not to change the world, Seek rather to change your mind about the world, because the world is a world of effects, and you can't change the effects without changing the, the cause. In other words, you have to change the thoughts and the beliefs in your mind from egoic to Holy Spirit. That you can do, and then you'll see the happy dream in the real world. But if you still keep trying to rearrange the particulars, and, and change the form, it just, that, that's playing right on the ego's playing field. You're just going to keep going through this seeming reincarnation thing over and over and over and over and over, as long as you keep trying to change something in form. Even with that radio, that ham radio, every time it would start to make noises and go out, you know, they always try to, to think that there's something wrong with the radio. But like when television was invented, don't touch that dial. The problem is not in your set. That's what they had to say at the early days of television, because everybody was was ruining their televisions <laughs> because the broadcast signal was having it was just the early days. They were having trouble with the broadcasting, but nobody knew about broadcasting. So they all thought it was in their television set. And they messed up the until the finally they said, Do not touch the dial. Like leave your TV alone. That's what Jesus is saying now. Do not touch the dial of time and space. Do not touch the dial of these circumstances and situations because it's, it's just going to reconfigure. And that's what John's, you can see his face right there in the freeze frame. He is, he is disheartened and disillusioned. He's thinking, Mom, what, what have I done? Mom, was a nurse. Mom was at the hospital there. We just saw the scene with her at the hospital, and the guy in the bed that she was nurturing with and saving his life, that's the serial killer. So she's, she's now nurturing the serial killer, unbeknownst, because instead of being at home with her little boy, after her husband's been burned in a fire, it's, he wasn't burned in the fire. He was tucking the little boy in, giving him his eardrops, while she is 
keeping alive the serial killer. But does she know it? No. But nobody knows anything. That's what I'm saying. This is just an example of like a big reconfiguration that occurs when you haven't accepted the atonement. So then it just seems the loop of time just goes on and on, still with effects, because the mind is not seeing that it's all made up and it's all, the mind is doing it. That's the whole point of forgiveness. You have to start to realize, I have done this thing and it is this I would undo. And that's done through forgiveness in the mind. It's not done through changing circumstances. Happiness is never circumstance dependent. It's always dependent on choosing forgiveness. Choosing the miracle, that's where the happiness is. Okay, we better get going or I'll have you here for seven hours tonight. <laughs> but we're going to get this. <laughs> starting to see how the Holy Spirit has to use the quantum effects because you wouldn't believe it unless there were signs and symbols. I mean, out of the seven billion people, how many people do you think believe A Course in Miracles? What's the percentage? What's the percentage on earth that, that know of it and believe that it's legit. You see, the Holy Spirit has to use all these kind of quantum effects. You can see the freeze frame of our uh, detective there. Five minutes ago he's talking to Frank's wife like Frank is completely lost it and that he's a murder, possibly a murder suspect and he's got all these thoughts about his dear friend his close friend. You see the, the darkness, the suspicion coming up. But if we pull it back, 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 like I'm talking about, you know, as soon as you start to experience the miracles and the connectedness, it's just the beginning of Jesus' work in your mind because as long as you still see the evil characters or the villains or the ones in the world that are still the problem, then that still means you, you believe in external cause. You believe in an external evil. It can be COVID-19. Here it is, I remembered it. Uh, it, could, it could be uh, this character, this president, or this dictator, or this uh, whatever, serial killer or assassin. It, in this movie it's clear that they're going the thing is, even with all these miracles and all this miraculous communication, it's still the attack thoughts that are in the unconscious mind that are playing out. That's just the way that it works. So it's just the beginning when you have the miracles. Then you got to be ready on the alert for anything that comes out of the unconscious mind because it will seem to be external as long as you believe in it. It will seem as if it's being done to you because that's how it, Jesus tells us that's how it's set up. You have the dream that you dream in secret, which is the unconscious mind, and then you have the projected time-space world, which is the dream that you gave away, and that world seems to do things to people and to circumstances and events, and with all this false 
cause and effect, it's all projected as if it's happening to you and it has nothing to do with your mind. But this movie is beginning to show that everything that is perceived is coming from the thoughts and the beliefs in the mind. And that's why in the truest sense, you know, it's, it's, it's an inside job or it's a, it's a mind problem, it's a consciousness problem. It doesn't have anything to do with the projected world. That's why Lesson 79 and 80, let me recognize the problem so it can be solved. Lesson 80 in A Course in Miracles is let me recognize my problems have been solved. But you can't really accept the solution until you see the problem exactly where it is, which is just in the mind. It's not in the world. So this is an, a great teaching movie because you can see that even with the miracles that John and Frank have gone through, they still have protectionism in the mind, still trying to save people, uh, still trying to solve mysteries in the world, still going at it as if the problems are in the world and then it's like it's coming back at them viciously. That's how projection works. You project the cause, the blame to be out there, the mind is so powerful, and then you start to doubt your Am I going crazy? You know, you can see the, the cop sat there. One minute he's, he's like, you know, he's like, Frank's in a lot of trouble. Frank's in a lot of trouble. And why are you telling me this? You're talking to me like a cop, the wife says, instead of, uh, instead of a friend. No, if I was talking to you as a cop, I wouldn't even be here. Meaning, you'd, we'd have him locked up, game over. Uh, based on the evidence. So you see, it all points to the power of the mind, the power of consciousness, and and in one sense though, you can see where these characters, uh, John and Frank, they're still communicating as best they can, even though their, their radio now has, seems to be fried, and the headline said the, the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis is going away, and so on and so forth. There's some symbols that, that it's broken communication, but it's just when, the, when they got the most angry, agitated, threatened, that's when their communication device uh, seemed, to, seemed to break. And that's the way it works in this life too. If you, if you have all this faith and you're communicating with the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden you get freaked, you freak out, you think, I don't know what I've been doing. I've, I've, I've been listening to this voice and really it's all doom and gloom and this and this. This is when people can seem to break. The body can break. But that's, it's really not anything that's happening to the body. It's not, it's not a virus. It's not ultraviolet rays or a heart attack or blood pressure or all these things that are projected to the body. It's guilt. It's still the guilt in the unconscious mind. And Jesus says in the Course, of all the things you think was causing you your problems in this, this life, the one thing that you never suspected was that it was your own guilt. <laughs> you thought it was everything else except the guilt in your mind, the guilt in your unconscious mind. So that's why the Course fits in with all these great spiritualities that, that say you have to look at the unconscious mind. 
So let's, let's let it play out. I, I, when we get close to the happy dream, I might have to stop it again, but we, let's let them uh, run out their thoughts here and try to get the, what's his name? Uh, Jack? Shepherd. Hmm? Jack? Jack Shepard. They've got the, he's the target now. Jack Shepard is the, is the cop gone wrong. And uh, in Murder Mystery, that should be end of, end of show, game over. You catch the bad guy, and you put the bad guy in prison, and everybody lives happily ever after. Ha ha ha. Uh, it never works that way. You know, it, it always there's something else popping up on the screen, but uh, here we see Jack is now identified as the, as the target, as the evil one, as the external evil one, and then they have to, they still have to, to keep going. You know, he just tried to basically escape uh, by electrocuting <laughs> Jack and then uh, getting the, the uh, the water system to go off, but actually uh, the, they're still having to face this in the mind. How do you face it in the mind? Communication. They've got more communicating to go. How many times have I talked to somebody and they go, I don't know, Jesus let me down. He just, I've been following him for years and he's, the guy just left me down. I mean, he's not listening, he's not answering my call. Uh, and it's like, well, you know, you still have to take a look at what your thoughts and beliefs are, because I, I guarantee you it's not Jesus that's letting you down, it's just this belief that there's something outside of you that has power over you, and call it evil, call it whatever you want. You know, I've, I had a, a, the first a person I dated back when I was like, the body, David was 28 or whatever, I was in this relationship with a fundamentalist Christian and then like 10 years later she sent me a message on on uh, Facebook Messenger and I, I recognized her name and she said, I've been watching some of your videos. And then she said, I just have one thing to tell you, evil is real. <laughs> this is the guy, I go, okay, some more forgiveness lessons <laughs> to do here. But you see, it's always, it always comes down to, <laughs> to your mind. There's nowhere else to go, you know. You, there's nowhere else to go. You're, you can't be a victim of a, of a world outside of your mind because there is no world. That's what quantum physics is showing. There is no world apart from what you think. There is no world from your consciousness. So you keep get it, getting it in your face, so to speak, in your nose, so to speak, until you you know, you start to realize, I have done this thing and it is this that I would undo. Okay, buckle your seats on, here we go. This is probably going to be the best uh, serial killer murder uh, movie, take you to enlightenment uh, all in one package that you're going to get, but that's what you get from Jesus. He's coming, he's coming right out the bat, the first movie with uh, pulling out all the stops. I have to pause it again. I know I said we'd watch more, but it's just too good to pass up. You know, this is, this is showing the illustration. You, okay, in the movie, this is like the, you reach the climax where the, the evil one gets beat up and drowned, and then everyone sighs a sigh of relief. Oh, 
they got the they killed the bad guy, they killed the bad guy. But you know, just like with the Freddy Krueger movies, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, it, it just never goes away until you forgive it. You know, it it just goes on and on in this world. You know, you may get these little ah, temporary temporary sigh of relief when you interpret. Oh, now we're safe. We're safe. No, You're, the mind isn't safe until it forgives. And so in this movie, you know, we've got this Jack Shepard guy and then first they thought it was another guy and they didn't know who it was and they thought it was another guy, it wasn't him. And then So they finally zoom in on Jack, but now we've got two Jacks. We've got a, a 1969 Jack and a 1999 Jack. And, and you've got one Jack looks like he just bit the dust in the water, although they're scuba divers looking for him, they don't know for sure. And then you've got, so you see, this is, this is such a good scene because it keeps pointing back to, you have to forgive in your mind. Because and as long as you have attack thoughts, they're going to come out into some dimension of time. You know, that we're just seeing two dimensions, in like a 1999, you know, New York City and a, 1969. There's a lot more, not in reality, but in the projection. There's a lot more, and until you forgive it at the core, until you get the root, like when you're picking dandelions in your yard, you know, you can pick them off of the stems, but unless you get the root, those dandelions will grow back. It's the same with guilt, it's the same with the ego. You've got to get down to the root, which is the atonement, otherwise it just comes out. So that's another thing I like about this quantum movie, is even though there's all these morphing quantum changes that are going on in the movie, actually, yeah, it's still pop, it's like it's, it's still rearing its head here and there, because, because really the problem's not on the screen, it's, it's in the mind. So, okay, I couldn't resist that, it was just too good, you know, because of the drowning Jack, you know, and you know, the way we go. I think you have to see, you have to start to see this, that's, the value of these movies, that it's never over until you accept the atonement. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> wow! And it's all wrapped up in the final song. Until we reach the circle's end and you come back to me again. Until until we reach the end of the circle of time, you know, it's like a spiral that just loops and loops as long as you fail to forgive. And when you forgive, you accept what has always been there, which is innocence. And then it turns into a very happy dream. I, I guess you saw the final softball scene. All the, all the relationships were there, everything was intact. And his buddy even had a Mercedes-Benz with a, the Yahoo, one Yahoo sign, a driver's license on it from that tip that he remembered. Remember when you grow up, just remember Yahoo, he told, told his buddy. But uh, I like that song too because it says that we can, we can undo everything that we've done. And that, there's that undo word, I mean that's very seldom that you hear that word in 
conversations or in this world, you hear it sometimes from A Course in Miracles, but in a, in a song. Wasn't that uh, Garth Brooks? An old country song with a twang. That's a mu music lover's guide to enlightenment song because when we are ready to undo what we've do done, which is believed in the ego, that's, that's the problem. That's been the only problem. And what a quantum movie at how we have to kind of follow the cues, follow the clues, follow the signs, follow the, the Spirit's guidance, and then we have that quantum moment when there was father and son together. Even in terms of this world, that's a pretty powerful symbol of the father and son together. It's like the movie The Kid when he finally gets to meet his future self, you know. The Bruce Willis character with the white hair. We got Dennis Quaid playing this one out with the, the distinguished white hair. And whoosh, what a scene when they all finally come together. But that's, that's what unified perception is about. So every time you're tempted to think about something that went wrong or somebody that did you wrong or how different your life would be if this circumstance was changed or that circumstance was changed, you do get as many opportunities as you need to come back to have a change of heart and, and you might say a change of your mind from, from hatred to forgiveness. There's so many good movies in the, in the Movie Watcher collection. You know, we're just starting off our, our whole series with this one, but I'm thinking of a... Remember uh, Saturday Night Live there was uh, John Bellucci? Well, John Bellucci had his brother Jim, and he's in our Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment, Mr. Destiny, where he's married and he's working a job and everything, and then he's got this little sneaking suspicion that if only he'd hit a home run in the state baseball championship game when he was in high school, that his whole life would have turned out great. If only he'd hit the home run instead of striking out. And so that whole movie is based on one scene from high school where he strikes out. And he's all ready to, to hit the ball and then the pitcher throws the ball and then the the ball does something funny and then there's a little flash and then he, he blinks and he strikes out and misses it and he doesn't marry the prom queen that he'd hoped to marry and his whole life turns out completely different. And in the end you start to see that it was Michael Caine, the Holy Spirit character in the audience that helped him miss the ball. You know, you can't judge your advances from your retreats. Maria Felipe was talking to me about that today on the show earlier. And, and it's the strikeout. He strikes out in the state, basketball, or state baseball championship game that that opens his heart to this beautiful journey of humbleness. Except his ego is kicking and screaming inside saying, Oh, I could have married the prom queen, my life is boring, and so on. You know, it's just doing its thing, saying how bad the life turned out. So this, this is really a, a treat to start off with this uh, quantum movie, because you, you're not going to see many movies where the quantum effects, you know, even at the end he's, 
he strangled with his hand. And the hand that is strangling is disappears. <laughs> you know, in a quantum effect, that's like a symbol of innocence when when you start to realize that the thoughts in your mind never actually had a negative effect. You, you've only hallucinated guilt, you've only hallucinated that you harmed somebody, that you did something wrong, that you, you know, you have a justified grievance or whatever the feeling is, uh, it's, it's just a hallucination. Sounds like we have a giant rain, yeah. and we're getting washed down here in Mexico. You can hear in the background probably of my voice that as we made it to the end with Garth Brooks, and we reach the circle's end, the, the rains are not just trickling down here, we are, it is a downpour of rain here in Mexico, cued by the final song. <laughs> so, so, maybe we'll just have, have the time to open it up for a few uh, experiences, so we can hear uh, how that was for you. Because uh, we've got our, our home audience here, and we've got sprinkled all over the world. Oh, you beloveds. If anybody feels to, uh, to share something, Eric is there in the command control booth Steven. in Canvas. Stephen. Hey, Stephen. can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, wonderful. It's good to hear, hear uh, to be heard and hear yourself, but I love this. Thank you for doing this, number one. So wonderful to jump in here with you all and, um, and just to go deeper with this and just everything just popping out so, so nicely. And as you were sharing that one scene where he's choking him and his hand, the hand gets blown off, I was thinking about the, the G.I. Joe Kung Fu grip and, and how we have this death grip on the death wish and we're just not going to let go of this um, wish, this, this death wish. And we're, I'm, always, I'm always clinging to this hope to change things out in the world and to get it right. And it's like the, I call it the G.I. Joe Kung Fu death grip, but there you go. The Holy Spirit just kind of is always blowing off that death, death grip until it reassembles and so forth. So I love that scene um, and, and that connection. And then also that when he's teaching him to ride the bicycle, how beautiful that was. There was that circle. There was the trust, the development of trust. Uh, I'm not going to let go. I'm, I'm with you always. Holy cow, yes, I'm with you always. And until you've got this, you feel it. And he says, how does that feel? And, and the little boy says, it feels like I'm flying. I'm flying. And I thought, yes, amen. There it is. There's that feeling. And then just um, for me, uh, um, personally, in, 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 in this, the, the opening, when you opened up and you, you had the song by Suava that led to this movie, Northern Lights, I, it just, there... Say no more. It's kind of like, okay. Do you need Do you need anything else, brothers, beloved Stephen here? Uh, because lately, in my in my dream, I've been going deeper into um, choir music and choral music. And there's this beautiful Norwegian composer named Ole Jelo, and 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 he's spelled G E J I L O or something like that. It looks like Gilo, but it's Jelo. He has some incredibly powerful, beautiful songs. One of them, which is uh, Northern Lights. And what he does is he takes Northern Lights, and, and it's based upon his inspiration when he saw the Northern Lights up in, in Norway, and then he takes the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, and he takes those lyrics from the Song of Songs, and he equates it to the, the, the recognition, the, the Song of the Beloved to the Beloved. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it starts with Pulchra S. Amica Mea, 
which means, oh, oh, beloved, how beautiful you are, as beautiful as Jerusalem. And we know Jerusalem means the place of peace, and, and it goes kind of deeper into the metaphors. But, wow, when, when I saw that, when, when you mentioned that, and here, here's, you know, beautiful Slava coming up with, uh, here's, here's something being dropped in. And I'm thinking, personally, I know where that came from, or I picked up on that, and I've been following that. And if you go explore Oleyelo and that, uh, his choral compositions, they're masterpieces. He's taking you into the dark night of the soul. And he, he takes St. John of the Cross lyrics and puts it to this beautiful composition, piano, choral music, choral music. And it just, boy, it pulls me deeper, deeper. And then, then along comes this offering, and right out of the chute, there's the Northern Lights. <laughs> I just kind of laughed at thinking, all right, this is good. This is, this is, this is helpful. And yes, this is kind of spooky because, uh, you know, we, it's like, holy cow, I've got to be responsible. And yes, I've just got to pay attention. And yes, I have to just simply release, just release it. If it's not speaking of love and peace and reflecting that, just let it go. Just let it go. And how, um, but yet there's an insistence I apparently have um, to, to hold on to rearranging the deck chairs and, you know, waiting for that helicopter to drop that ladder of prayer, set the intent. So that's, that's happening. But so thank you so much. I could go on and on and on and just, <laughs> you know, how, you know how it is, David. It's yeah. just like this and yes. Yeah. And then there's this and there's this yeah. and so many pieces yeah. here. And it's just yeah. uh, so, uh, so uh, necessary and helpful and just reflective of, yeah, this is exactly what's happening um, for, for my experience. And, and, and amen. So thank you all. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, Stephen. You know, it's like, it, it's like you're sharing all this and the inspirations. As we get filled up, I think that'll be the best thing of watching these movies, is we're going to open up so much that we're going to see things that we've never saw before, and hear things we never saw before, and you just sharing about that composer and everything, because that very scene you just mentioned, with the bike, and, and working with the bike, and the trust, and listening, going around, I have shown this movie many, many times. I have watched this movie many, many times, but this time we had the subtitles on, the English subtitles, and they were playing even the lyrics of the songs that were going in the background during the scenes. And I don't know if you all caught that, but I was like looking at it this time, and it said, we'll wake the whole world up at the end of that scene. And I was just like, I never saw that one in all these years. You know, it's, it, it gets richer and more expansive, and you draw forth more witnesses. And here I was, I haven't don't even know how many times I've seen the movie, but there it was, I, I saw a lyric, and my mind was drawn to a line that was there all along, but I didn't see it until this movie. So, and you brought the scene up, and that reminded me of, of it again. The, the, playing the game um, at the end of the, uh, the movie reminded me of that... Um, Secret Life of Walter Mitty, when at the end of that um, scene where he climbs the mountain and he has it revealed, hey, you're the ghost cat, uh, Walter. You're, you're, you're it. Tad, you're it. And then, then they say, they have this beautiful encounter in the, stop, in the stillness. And then he says, okay, let's, let's, let's go play soccer. Let's, let's go back down and, and play the game. And that just reminds me of, yeah, we just got to engage and allow it to, to rise and to, to happen. And then just, just kind of toss, toss out the stuff that's like, meh. 
let that go. But that, that's kind of what that ball game reminded me of that coming together of there, everything is joined and it's all yeah. fine. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Hina raised her hand. Go ahead, Hina. Thank you, David. This was a wonderful way to wake up in India with the movies we saw. It is so amazing. I just, I mean, I, I don't have, I wouldn't have seen the movie this way. It is so amazing. I'm so, so thankful to you about this movie. In fact, I started this movie two days back. And uh, somehow, you know, I thought of the Northern Lights and all that. And I was feeling uh, uh, like, yes, if I could watch this movie with David. And this has come true. I'm so glad. I'm so happy today. And it's a beautiful way to uh, begin my day here in India. And I don't even feel like that I've slept for only four hours. No. <laughs> thank you so much. Me and both of us are very, very thankful to you for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, Susan Jameson Racer. Yes. Hi. How are you doing? How are you doing? You know, I'm from Brooklyn, not Queens, but, you know, same thing. How you doing? From the Wrigley's gum to the Mets game, my dad would have remembered that. I mean, this was an amazing night. So expansive. What? What? You know, I raised my hand. I didn't think I saw it, but I actually think I did. <laughs> Maybe, you know, so many years ago, I don't really remember but when the words Pittsfield Mass came across, you know, I live a few minutes from Pittsfield. Like, I remember that. I remember, like, hearing that before. So it's so, like, wow, did I see this film? But I, I feel like I was reliving so many kind of miraculous experiences having to do with my mother, my father, you know, all these characters, all these action figures. And your commentaries, like, what? Really? You know, after Samadhi, I was wondering, why didn't I meet you all 20 years ago? And that night, after watching Samadhi, I remembered some experiences in Egypt. I promise I'm not going into it now. But it's like, wow. That's all. I just want to thank all of you, everybody over there. Thank you, Linda, for being in touch today. Everyone. Esther, my mighty on the East Coast, I see you. I just love you. I just, great to see you all. And thank uh, you, David. Thank I mean, it's you. just really extraordinary. And I know it is what it is, but it was just an amazing, amazing commentary. Perfect. Like, thank wow. So how you doing? Thank you. How you doing? How you doing? That's it. <laughs> From Queens to Brooklyn, all the way around the world. <laughs> right? You still. That's it. Thank you. Miracle is alive in, in, the Brook, in Brooklyn. <laughs> From Brooklyn to the Berkshires and all around. Yeah. Yeah. 
my dad would have loved this. I mean, he was really into the Mets. So <laughs> through him, I remember, you know, yeah. the, the miracle Mets. <laughs> it was great. Well, that's all the hands we have for now. Okay, beautiful. Well, I see all your shining faces sprinkled around the world, and that was a thank you for uh, helping us inaugurate these uh, weekly online movie gatherings. And and uh, this this has a great feel to it because I remember when I first decided to do these six week gatherings over in Spain, uh, I would just tell people, well, I'll just show up and I'll probably just sit by the pool and have a cold drink uh, and lay in the sun most of the day. But I said, I'll be there for dinner and then I'll, I'll do the movie sessions every night. And so we had like six weeks of mind-blowing uh, movies every single night where I would just have dinner and wait. And I'd, sometimes I'd be eating, eating my dessert and they'd say, come on, David, we got to cue the movie up. What's the, what's the movie? I'd wait till I got it and then let the commentary come through. And the last time I did that, I mean, I did that several times in uh, Mallorca, Spain, but the last time I did that, there was a woman who came to that six-week retreat and she, she had been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, after six weeks, of these movie gatherings, every night of the week, she went into remission. She left the retreat in, in remission from cancer because her mind just popped, uh, hopped open. And, and a lot of people, their perspective on the whole world had shifted so dramatically in uh, six weeks from doing these kind of things every night. Uh, so, you know, this is a... This is like our injection. Uh, we don't, this is our vaccine. So uh, we are uh, offering this vaccine for, uh, for COVID-19. I remember that three times in a row, 19. That's pretty good. So I, I feel like this, we are offering our vaccine for the world with, uh, with these movies. And, and just seeing your smiling faces is a treat for me. You know, it's seeing you beaming and, and all of us watching it together. I told you I get animated in these uh, things, so I hope to be back over and over again. So, thank you. Thank you all. Send you lots of love and hugs and kisses. <laughs> Wherever you seem to be in the world. <laughs> We're getting washed down here in Mexico. <laughs> We are bathed in the, in the glory. <laughs> so goodbye from all of us. God bless you. Have a sweet night or day or morning in India. <laughs>